And we're not, we're not Saturday people. And everything was quiet and sad and hopeless. We are Sunday people. We are Sunday people. We're going to be in, in Matthew. Not Matthew. I'm looking at it. Luke. In Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. In verse 1 in a moment. It was Thursday evening, and Jesus and his disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Judas betrayed Jesus, and he led the Jewish leaders and their mob to the garden, and Jesus was arrested. The disciples all scattered, as Jesus had said that they, that they would, and Jesus was tried that night, all that, all that night, and then on Friday morning, he was tried again, and, and finally he was taken before the Roman governor, Pilate. And Pilate looked at Jesus and talked to him and just didn't find anything wrong. And so Pilate sent him to Herod and Herod, you know, talked to him and, and, and sent him back to Pilate. And, and finally, just he felt at the moment like it's the thing he had to do. He sent it to Jesus to die by crucifixion. And so by 9 o'clock on Sunday on that Friday morning, on that Friday morning, Jesus was on the cross. And he suffered on the cross from 9 o'clock on Friday morning until 3 o'clock Friday afternoon when he died. And he suffered on the cross, and he was suffering because he was taking our punishment for our sins. He was paying for our punishment. He was paying our punishment. He was paying our debt. Our sins were placed on him, and he was punished for what we have done wrong, all of us. He was punished for what we have done wrong. That's what the, whole, that's what the cross is about. Jesus suffered there from 9 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon, suffering for us, paying my penalty for uh, for me, he paid my hell for me so that I could receive forgiveness of my sins. He was punished for what I have done wrong. Three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus died. And Joseph and Nicodemus took the body of Jesus down off the cross. And they took him to a nearby tomb which belonged to Joseph. And they wrapped the body, as was the custom, they wrapped the body in linen and, and applied spices and, and ointments and, and oils to the body. That's, that's what they did. And then they carried the body into Joseph's tomb and they laid it on a stone slab. The women were there. They were watching this because they wanted to come back as soon as they could and they wanted to further anoint the body of Jesus, right? They wanted to do some more, you know, to finish preparing his, his body for burial. So the women followed from the cross. They were at the cross. The women followed from the cross to the tomb. 
and they saw the tomb, the stone rolled in front of the door of the tomb. And it was Friday evening by this point. The Sabbath began at sundown on Friday evening. And so these women went back. We find in the last part of Luke chapter 23, these women went back and, and they prepared spices and got everything ready so that they could come and further prepare uh, the body of Jesus uh, as it lay in the tomb. And then Saturday, the Sabbath day, the day of rest, and nobody could do anything. They couldn't move around. They couldn't walk any distance. They couldn't do any work. They couldn't go to the store. And so Saturday was just the day that, that they were just waiting. It was a dark day. They were just waiting. They couldn't do, they couldn't do anything. A couple of things. One of them is this. Those who seek Jesus find him. Those who seek Jesus find him. Jesus is not hiding from us. He wasn't hiding from them, and he's not hiding from you. We seek Jesus, we find him, and we're able to be in him and be with him. Those who seek Jesus find him. Now, the Jewish leaders were seeking Jesus, right, for a long time wanting to, to kill him. And then the Romans joined in, you know, on that. And, but they were seeking Jesus because they wanted to get rid of him because they saw Jesus as a problem, you know. Jesus was a problem to, to them, to those Jewish leaders and to the Romans and to Pilate. And, and so they thought, if we get rid of the problem, well, then those issues would be gone. And everything will be okay. Everything will be good. We just got to get rid of Jesus. He's the problem. The, the, the thing, though, is that Jesus wasn't the problem. Jesus was the answer. He was the answer. The problem is sin. The problem that every human being has is sin. And it's a problem that no human being can, can solve. We can't fix this on our own this problem of sin. Jesus wasn't the problem. Sin was the problem. Jesus was the answer. And I still believe that no matter the question, Jesus is the answer. That Jesus is the answer no, no matter the question. That Jesus is the only one who can fix what is wrong with us. He's the only one. He's worth seeking. Seek Jesus and we'll be able to find him and, and to be with him. Well, the women were seeking him also. These women were the disciples. were seeking Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. But on the first day of the week, see, this is the first time they were able to travel. At early dawn, they, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now, these women did not go to the tomb because they were hoping that Jesus had survived. They knew Jesus had not survived. That's why they went to the tomb. They were taking spices to, to work on his body, to do things for the dead body of Jesus. They didn't, these women didn't go to the tomb seeking Jesus because they thought he'd risen from the dead, although he had. They, they didn't go there for that. They went to the tomb because they knew he was dead. There was no doubt about it. They watched him die. They 
watched him die. They watched his body being taken down from the the cross and carried to the tomb and placed in the tomb. There was no doubt Jesus was dead. They didn't go there to looking for a living, risen Jesus. They went there because they knew he was they knew he was dead. Well, uh, the, the Gospel of Mark tells us that while they were walking, that they were talking about the stone in front of the door. And they said, well, we've got to, we've got to, somehow we've got to get that stone moved out from under the door, in front of the door of the tomb. We got, we've got to be able to get to Jesus and do the last thing we can do for him, right? I mean, the last thing, we, we know what this feels like. You know, one of our, our loved ones die, and, and we, we feel like we could just, we know that they're, they're not there in that dead body. We know that they're not there, but it just seems like this, this, that's just the, you know, the, the last thing that we have of them on earth, kind of. But we know that they're not there, but it's, and th- this is what they were, how are we going to get the stone away? And then they got there, verse 2, and they found the stone was rolled away from the tomb. But they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Do you, see, do you see how this was another slap in the face for them? I mean, here, here they, the, they were going to just do, I mean, they loved Jesus. He was their friend. They had thought he was their savior. And so they're going to do, go and do the last thing that they can do for him. In the whole previous day, they're, they're waiting for this time to come so that they can go and do for him. And they step down into the tomb, and Jesus is not there. His body is missing. What a cruel joke somebody had played. Right? I mean, what are they supposed to think? I mean, I just can't believe it how disappointed they were. I mean, I, you know, just think about how disappointing that was. Just heartbreaking. Just insult to injury, you know, for them. But in verse 3, while they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, while they were perplexed about this, they were wondering what in the world, who has stolen his body, where can we find his body? If you'll just tell us where his body is, we'll, we'll go take care of it, his dead body. Behold, two men, and we find from the other gospels, these were angels, stood by them in dazzling apparel. And the women were frightened, and they bowed their faces to the ground. And these men, these angels, said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? See, Jesus was not there because he was not dead. We, it's hard to seek Jesus if we're looking in the wrong place. It's hard to seek Jesus if we're looking somewhere he's not. And if you're looking for Jesus as a dead man, you'll never find him because he is not dead. And the good news of Easter is is Jesus was dead. He's not now. The the message is that simple. You say, well, why are you saying all this stuff if that's the message? Why don't you just get out from the stage? Well, I know. Humor me, okay? Let me stay here for a little while. But these disciples, they, they just they had trouble with this thing. Why do you seek the living among the dead in verse 5? Verse 6, he's not here but has risen. Remember how he told you? 
while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Jesus told them this numerous times. All the Gospels have it. Jesus told them numerous times, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be crucified and die. But on the third day, I'm coming out of that tomb. I'm coming out of that tomb. I'm not staying dead. And he told them this several times, but they just, they just couldn't get it. They just, they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand that. But the angel said, don't you remember how he told you that? Verse 7, that, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, but still they're not totally believing. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. And there was Mary Magdalene and, and Joanna, the mother, uh, uh, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who told them these things told these things to the apostles. Listen. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The disciples still did not. They did not believe that Jesus was alive. Still did not believe that Jesus was alive. What keeps you from seeking Jesus? What are the things that keep you from seeking Jesus? Unbelief. Unbelief will keep us from seeking Jesus. If we think Jesus is dead, we're not going to seek him. If we think Jesus can't help us, we're not going to seek him. If we think Jesus doesn't care about us, we're not going to seek him. If we think Jesus doesn't love us, we're not going to seek him. If we think that Jesus is not going to make any difference, not going to help us, doesn't have the power to help us or the authority to help us, if we think Jesus is going to make no difference in his, our lives, we are not going to seek him unbelief they, I mean they suffered greatly from this from this unbelief those who seek Jesus though find him they find him whatever whatever keeps you from seeking Jesus you need to get beyond that obstacle you need to get beyond it you need to be seeking Jesus to find him and to be with him not just for salvation but for salvation you seek him first and that's how you that's how you get saved by seeking Jesus, and you find him, and you find that he's faithful, and he wants to save you, and he wants to change your life and give you new life. That's what he wants to do. But after that, even, we, we need to be seeking Jesus every day so that we can be with him, and so that he can be in us. He can walk with us. We can walk with him. What keeps you from seeking Jesus? Some people today really, I mean, we don't think we have time right now. So busy. I mean, this, this life is so crazy, you know. And, and so we're, we're too busy to seek Jesus. And so we just don't have time right now. And things are going pretty good right now. I don't need Jesus right now. Stick around. You may not realize that you need him right now, but a time is coming when you're going to open your eyes and, and know that you've needed him all along. 
And you think you're making it okay on your own right now, but a day is coming when you're going to realize that you were not making it on your, your own, that the Lord was with you and he was the one that was doing all of that for you. Those who seek Jesus, find him. He's available. He's not hiding from us. Sometimes we don't seek Jesus because we're mad at God. Ever been mad at God? Just mad at the Lord. Why would I seek him? Why would I want to talk to him? Why would I pray if I'm mad at God? You know, and we look around and we can just through the years and find all sorts of reasons that we could be, you know, upset with the Lord. We need to be seeking him. Whatever we think we're mad at God about, let him, he, let him know he can handle it. Just seek him. Just seek him. Sometimes we don't seek Jesus because we're mad at church people. You ever been mad at a church person? Don't raise your hand. Don't, <clears throat> don't raise your hand. Some, sometimes, because, because people at church, you know, I mean, we're Christians and we're going to be, you know, but sometimes, sometimes church people are just mean. And you, but you don't want some old mean church person, church member or whatever. You don't want some old mean church person to keep you from seeking Jesus. Why would you do that? We need him. You need him. Some of you may not, you may not seek Jesus because you're mad at some knucklehead preacher. It may be me. <laughs> I include myself among that list of knucklehead preachers. We're just, we're so, I'm just so human. And so are you. So are you. Get over it. You need to get over it. You know, whatever's keeping you from seeking Jesus, you need to identify that and get past the obstacle. Just get over it, people. Come on. You need to be seeking Jesus because we need to find him and we need to be with him. We cannot do this alone. We can't do this alone. I was going through the airport on one of these uh, trips up here. And I was taking off my shoes, you know, you got to take off your shoes, you take off your belt, and you take, you know, you know, every, you know, you know how, you know the whole story. So I'm taking off my shoes, and this TSA agent says, oh, oh, sir, uh, did, did, you know, you know that those over 75 don't have to take their shoes off. And I said, you know, I think I just want to take them off anyway. <laughs> and I took them off. They should not have somebody with that poor a vision <laughs> working at the airport. But everywhere we run into, I mean, we, we see people who, who would have, I mean, who will offend us if we let them, right? Get over it. We need to be seeking Jesus. He's the one who can fix what we've got going on. Jesus is the answer no matter the question. Those who seek Jesus find him. Number two. 
Those who find Jesus follow him. Those who find Jesus follow him. Look, when, when we discover, when, when we realize what Jesus, who Jesus really is and what he really has done for us, for us personally, I mean, when we, when we figure that out, we'll want to follow him. I mean, when we really get to him and understand who he really is and what he has done for us, we will follow him. We will want to follow him. You see, Jesus is real. He's real. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God. He, he is who he says he was. And, and we, we see that the, the angels told the women, remember how he told you? The Son of Man. I mean, He is the Son of God. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He is Yeshua. He is the Christ, the anointed one of God. He's real. All man and all God, Jesus is real. He's worth following. Those who seek Jesus find him, and those who find Jesus follow him. We had baptism last Sunday in our church. Several people, and, and in our church, when, before someone is baptized, they're asked, the person doing baptizing asks them, what is your profession of faith? I mean, that's just what, that's, what's your profession of faith? And so they say, I mean, they're there ready to be baptized, but they say, you know, normally they say something like, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, or Jesus, um, you know, Jesus is my Lord and I surrender to him, or um, something like that. But they're told to say, you know, if they have a question, you know, they're, they're told to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. We were having these baptisms this last Sunday, and this second grade girl comes down, and, and uh, so the uh, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, who's doing the, the, the baptizing, he he asked her, he said, you know, introduced her, and, and he said, uh, what is your profession of faith? And she says, um, um, Jesus is the best. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, Jesus is the best, so, yeah. She was so excited about that. That is the best profession of faith I've ever heard in my life. I mean, she means that. I mean, that's how she feels about Jesus. I mean, she forgot what she was supposed to say, you know. But she said the thing that she needed to say. Jesus is the best. And that needs to be our profession of faith. Jesus is real. He is the best. He is worth following. This is, this is so important. This is so important. You need to get this. Christianity is not built on a system. Christianity is not built around a system of rituals and uh, traditions and rules and regulations, and you keep all of these things and, and you're going to be good, and you keep all of these rules and regulations, you follow this system, you fall into the system, and you do the steps, and you move to another level, and, and then you, you, know, you move to another level, and eventually you know, you're in heaven or you know, whatever. Christianity is not built upon a system. Christianity is built on a person, the person of Jesus. We, we make this so complicated, and we need to understand this. It's so important to understand that 
Christianity is not built upon a system. It's built upon a person and a relationship with a person. It's built on the real person of Jesus and our personal relationship with him. It's not more complicated than that. And we preachers, I mean, we try to make that more complicated, and we, you know, but it's just, just not more complicated than that. He was dead, and he's not now. He loves us. He comes after us. Receive him. Walk with him. I mean, that's, Jesus is real. He is real. Also, Jesus is risen. Uh, he's alive today. They told him, they told him, they said, he's not here. He's not here because he's not dead, ladies. Not here. He's not here, but has risen. He has risen. Jesus is risen. Jesus is real, and Jesus is risen. He is alive today. Again, we're not following a system. We're following a person. And if Jesus had not risen from the dead, there would be no one to follow. And Christianity would not exist. It just wouldn't exist because it's all built around the person of Jesus. Not complicated, just built around the person of Jesus. And the disciples knew this. This is why the disciples were so lost and so despondent and so hopeless when Jesus died. Because they knew who he was, that he was the Christ. They knew that beyond any doubt. And all of a sudden, Jesus is, Jesus is gone. Jesus is dead. And they had these wrong ideas about Jesus setting up his, king, his, his kingdom on earth right then. And Jesus is going to do that, but that's at his second coming. That is yet to come, but he's going to do that. But they just had this in their minds, and they couldn't get past this, you know. And so they were, when he, I mean, when he died, they were just so hopeless, so hopeless. They didn't know what to do. In John chapter 6, Jesus was teaching some things that some of the people that were following him didn't like, and so they left him. And Jesus looked at his disciples, and, and he said, do you want to leave me too? Be a good time to. All these people are leaving me. They're not going to follow me anymore. Is that what you're going to do? And Peter said, Lord, where would we go? Where would we go? If we leave you, to whom would we go? Where, where would we go if we leave you? Well, there's, there's no one else, Peter said. There's no one else. We, we have believed and, and have come to know that you have the words of eternal life, that you are the Holy One of God. They knew who he was, and Peter said, there's no place else to go. We've got no alternative but to follow you. We're not going to stop following. We've got no alternative but to follow you. Jesus is real, and Jesus is risen. And the disciples had no plan B, and we don't either. If you don't follow Jesus, there's no plan B. You've got no place else to go. There's just no one else to follow. There's just no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There's just no, there's no place else to go. That, that's it. And to see them, see, Jesus was dead. No place else to turn. You see why they were hiding? 
I mean, do you see why they were in this shape that they were in? Do you see why he was arrested? They couldn't believe he was arrested on Thursday evening. They couldn't believe that. They couldn't believe that he was tried the way he was and found guilty. They couldn't believe that he was nailed to the cross. And I really think they just expected him to still come down any moment to come off that cross. You know, they just couldn't. And then he died. And they knew he was dead. They knew it. There's nothing. And he had risen, but these disciples were, they just didn't believe it yet. They were still acting like it was Saturday. Still acting like it was Saturday. Like the Friday evening had gone into Saturday, and they were acting like it was that Saturday when they couldn't move around, and they were just stuck where they were. The, the disciples were hiding. That Saturday, the disciples were hiding. And Peter was with some of those disciples. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking on that Saturday? You know, what? It, because on, on that Thursday evening, Peter had denied Jesus while he was being tried, denied that he even knew him. And then, and then Peter went out and wept bitterly because he denied the Lord. He failed the Lord, and he knew that. By Saturday, I bet Peter had no tears left. What do you think? No tears left. You know? And, and the weight of his failure, the weight of Peter's failure is, is coming down on him. So heavy. Can you imagine that? And now Jesus is dead. And Peter can't talk to him. He can't apologize. He can't tell him he loves him one more time. He, he, he can't tell him, I'll follow you. I can't, he can't tell him that. Jesus is gone. It's Saturday. And it's hopeless. Jesus is dead and it's over. Can you imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, on that Saturday? Mary lost her son on that Friday when Jesus died, she lost her son and she lost her Savior, both. And she's grieving those. And I wonder on that Saturday, that dark Saturday, I wonder if Mary was <clears throat> thinking about what the angel Gabriel had said to her. Because the angel Gabriel, remember, came to her and, and he, he said, uh, Mary, you're going you're gonna to have a child. He's, he's the Son of God, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And Mary said, that's not possible. I've, I don't, I've, not, not, I've not known a man. That's not possible. And Gabriel said, nothing shall be impossible with God. And then later when Jesus was born and they had him in the temple, Mary had him in the temple and, and there was Anna in the temple prophesying and saying things about this Messiah, about Jesus, that that's really who he was. And Simeon was there. And Simeon told Mary, on that eighth day after Jesus was born, he told Mary, he said, because of him, because of Jesus, a sword is going to pierce your soul. And I wonder how many times through the years she'd wondered, what in the world is that? And now 33 years later, that sword is piercing her soul on this Saturday, on this Friday evening and on this Saturday and that the cold steel of that sword is piercing her soul and killing her. And she feels the pain of that. And it won't go away. It's Saturday. And it's hopeless. Jesus is dead. He's gone. It's over. You know, just a few miles away at, at Bethany, 
and the Lazarus. Lazarus and his two sisters are there, probably in the house. And, and I wonder if Lazarus is thinking, well, I, you know, I was dead four days. I was dead four days, and Jesus came up, and, and, and Jesus said, Lazarus, walk out of there. Get out of that tomb. And Lazarus is thinking, I just got up and walked out of the tomb, still wrapped in the grave clothes. He had to get somebody to come and undo me so I could walk around, you know? And he's thinking here, Jesus is in the tomb. I can't do anything for him. See, it's Saturday. Jesus is dead. And it's over, you know? It's over. Uh, Martha, you know, Lazarus' sister Martha, you know, I, I bet you for the, for the first time ever, maybe, Martha's not busy. Remember how Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you're busy about so many things and anxious about so many things. She was working, you know, Martha, she was working like crazy. I wonder if on this Saturday, Martha sat thinking about what does this mean? Because when Lazarus died and Martha ran out to, and Jesus came and Martha ran out to meet him, she, she said, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And Martha's now sitting, what in the world? What does that mean? That Jesus, now that Jesus is dead, what does that mean? And Mary, the sister Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus when Martha got so upset about her, not working and not helping feed those 12 plus hungry men that came to the house. Just a few days before, Mary had sat at the feet of Jesus, right? She'd sat at the feet of Jesus. And she had listened to his teaching, and, and Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with expensive oil, poured it out. Judas didn't want that. She poured it out, and then she wiped his feet with, off with her hair as she worshipped him, right? And now Mary is sitting, and, and she's thinking maybe at what, about what Jesus' feet looked like when they put a nail through those same feet on the cross. What that must have looked like for her. Those same feet that she had anointed, nailed to a cross. And maybe she's thinking, if I could just sit at Jesus' feet now, if I could just ask him, Jesus, what in the world? What is this? What's going to happen? What does this mean? But it was Saturday. Friday evening into Saturday, and... Jesus was gone, and she couldn't talk to him anymore. She couldn't talk to him, because it was Saturday, and it was over. I want you to know, it's not Saturday anymore. It's not Saturday ever again. It's Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. He is real. He is risen. And he is worth following. 
It's Sunday, and we are Sunday people, not Saturday people. Something happened to these disciples. You know that? Something happened to these disciples. They, they were so despondent on that Saturday, and then on Sunday comes, and when they begin to figure out that Jesus is alive, things change. You know what happened to them? They saw Jesus. That made all the difference. They saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. They touched him. He said, touch me. You know, feel of me. You know, I'm alive. And it changed everything for them. And these disciples became Sunday people because it wasn't Saturday anymore. It was the single day that changed all other days. And these disciples were set free from the gloom of the tomb. And the day of our salvation is the same. We are set free on that day. We are set free. When we meet Jesus and realize that he is the Son of God and that he has died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, and we ask him, to, and we believe that and know that and ask him to forgive us and come into our hearts and save us and be in our lives and be our Lord. When we say that to him, we become Sunday people. And everything changes. Everything changes. It's the day that changes all other days. All other days. Well, we are Sunday people. Get over Saturday. Get over Saturday. Get over Friday. Get over Thursday. It's Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. We call it Easter. And we are Sunday people. We are Sunday people when we realize Jesus' death on the cross cleanses us from all sin, allowing us to go into the very presence of God. We're Sunday people when we face a tragedy and we know that God can work even that situation out for our good. We are Sunday people when we lose our job and know that God who takes care of the sparrow is able also to take care of us. We are Sunday people when we forgive the one who has hurt us, even though they have not apologized and probably never will. We are Sunday people when we tell the devil to get behind us because we don't need his guidance anymore. We obey the Lord. We are Sunday people when we see the world in such turmoil and confusion, yet we sleep in peace because we know that soon and very soon, Jesus is coming back to straighten out this mess. We are Sunday people when we know that the darkest hour in the darkest hour of our lives, the light of the world will continue to light our path. We are Sunday people when we stand at the grave of someone we love and are able to say, I'll see you again after a while because we know the grave can't hold us.
or Sunday people when we know that Jesus is the answer, no matter the question. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he is victorious over sin and over death. And because he lives, we can have life, new life. If you have not experienced that new life, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to be set free. There is something holding you back that you may not understand yet. You may not understand it until you get set free from it. But we need to become Sunday people, and you can become a Sunday person today. Jesus was dead. He's not now. It's not more complicated than that. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, do that today. In a moment, we're going to stand, and a couple of our uh, our leaders are going to be... Um, Standing up here, if you want to come forward, and, and they'll love to show you how you can be set free, how you can receive Jesus into your life, and how you can become a Sunday person. The grave couldn't hold him, and so it can't hold us. It changes everything. It changes the way we look at the day because we know that Jesus is walking with us. It changes how we feel when we lie down at night because we know we're going to wake up with Jesus either here or in heaven. It changes everything. And if you've not had that change take place in your life, do that today. Today, do that. Let's pray. Oh, God. Our Father, thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And I thank you that you're powerful enough to raise him from the dead on the third day. Lord, help us to realize what it means to not be dead in our sins, but alive in Jesus. Lord, for those who are here and have not been seeking you for whatever reason, Lord, help them to be able to remove those boundaries and see you, and just see you. Father, break down those obstacles. Right now, help us to be able to do whatever we need to do for you. Lord, help us to come to you and seek you and turn everything over to you. Lord, I thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. And because he lives, we can. And in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me.